You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. Well, oh, Chelsea, you got the stool that moves. Oh, Shiza, sorry. It's fine. It's fine. We have to, we have a kind of a janky studio here, so we have to pull a stool from another room, and there's one stool that I've told Chelsea not to get because it's not steady. She gets she grumpy at me. Well, she doesn't have to rock all day, but it's Well, fine. welcome back, Grace. <laughs> I leave for one week, yeah. and then this happens. It is. That's yeah, true. I guess I could bring my own stool if I really cared. Yeah, if you were on time. You know what? There is construction. <laughs> I had to wait for like five lights for this one construction car to cross the street. What the heck? It was going so, I don't know if it was going slow on purpose or if the guy was just like struggling. It was very annoying. Everyone was honking. Oh, God. It was just a thing. God, God, God. Anyway, back to reality, I guess. She's here. She's here. I'm here. And life goes on, I guess. Yeah. So, shall we get into our. <laughs> well, do you want to tell us how your trip was? Sure. It was great. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> no, I went to Seattle and Anchorage, Alaska. She's back now, so you can't stalk her. Yeah. Even though, like, you could follow me on Instagram and then see where I am. But by that time, it's like, you're right. not going to get to Anchorage. Right. Unless you already live there. Right. And you listen to our podcast. If you do. <gasps> wow. Wow. <laughs> I love your city. No. Um, Anchorage is very random. I was just telling Chelsea. It's, it has, like, a very small town vibe. Um, but, yeah, the, it was beautiful. Cool. I went to Kenai Fjords National Park. I love that word, fjord. It's yeah. a great word. Saw a bunch of animals, otters, orcas. Oh, right. Puffins. <gasps> the puffins. They were really far away, but, but I could see them. Cool. Yeah. The orcas was really cool. Yeah, the, I was like losing my mind over the orcas. That's really freaking cool. Just so you know, um, orcas is often in the crosswords. It so. is. <laughs> so once again, thinking of crosswords. And then I stayed with my friend in Seattle, and she also does a crossword. So we did a couple crosswords Oh, together. my God, does she? Yeah. New York Times? Yeah. Oh, cool. She has, like, the notebook of... Oh, I love it. Yeah. So we did that. Cool. Well, yeah. Well, now I'm back, and Chelsea was kind enough to send me all the uh, crosswords that they did over the week, so yep. I'm kind of like a faker because I Fake didn't actually make it. do them, but I did read them all <laughs> and picked my topic and picked oh, a few things that I liked, but nice. I don't have any shits. I only have hits. Oh, well, I, you know, it's Monday. Let's be happy. Okay. So do we have any corrections corners this week? Yes. No, I can't even remember what happened two yes, weeks ago. We do. <laughs> the biggest corrections corner is that we told everybody. Some oh, right. <laughs> that Rex Parker's birthday was on February 2nd. But it's actually his dad's birthday. That's on me. For some reason, I thought that his, because it was Chelsea's birthday, and we were reading his blog, as we do oftentimes, and had said, like, happy birthday. And I remember being like, oh, my gosh, Chelsea, look, it's his birthday, too. He's also an Aquarius. <laughs> Because we'd recently found out that Will Shorts was a Virgo. Yeah. Which I am. Um, so we thought we were like this dynamic duo. Yeah. But then we realized that Rex Parker and Will Shorts are mortal enemies. Yes. So they're not even a dynamic duo. <laughs> and then that's not even his birthday. It's his, we, I re-looked it up and it's his dad's birthday. So that's on me. Yeah. Sorry. Well, well, happy birthday to, well, it's not even February. <laughs> when the time comes. <laughs> when the time comes. Um, yeah. So that was our biggest sh- corrections corner. Yeah. Well, now it's fixed. I know. I was trying to put a list together of my corrections corners, and I was like, do I have any this week? And I think I do. I usually keep them on a post-it note on my desk so that I remember to take it home so I can do my research. And I just left it there, of course. So Yeah. So, well, guess we were right about everything else. Yeah. So, get over it. Hits and shites. Heights and shites. Heights and shites. <laughs> <laughs> um, Grace was away. That's my biggest shit. So, I was left to do the crosswords alone. It was fine for the most part. Um 
people that don't usually do the crosswords with me sat with me to the crosswords. That's nice of them. That was nice of them. It made me feel less like I was such a fucking loser just sitting at the lunch table by myself. And also, I do this thing where like I take the crosswords and sit at the lunch table, and everybody else is sitting there, but I don't talk to anybody. I just do the crossword, and then I feel like really lame. You're thinking too much. You're th- overthinking it. I do overthink often. So, yeah, that's fun. Um, I do want to bring up Friday, August 30th, New York Times by Trent E. Evans. This is the one that had the one across certain, quote, work spouse, office wife. Oh, yeah. And also 64 across, question always best answered no. Answer, <gasps> do I look fat? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was kind of bad. Um, I think probably separately they wouldn't have been as, um, I don't know. Well, I don't think work wife is that bad. It's not, but I think with parent, like both of them together, it just feels like very um, bro-y. I don't know. You know, yeah. like it, it seems like there's a very specific view of the feminine sex um, coming from a very specific person. Yeah, the do I look fat? No. That like why even put that Right. It's not gendered, in but there. like it's obvious like when you say something like beer me, the first if you were like are going to gender it, you immediately would gender it male. Yeah. You know? Versus like do I look fat, you would immediately gender it female or whatever. So it's everything was just wrong about that and then best answer no. I don't know. It was just messy. I feel yeah. like there's no reason to Agreed. Do that. Agreed. I was on vacation that day, so Ruined your vacation. Yeah. Um, I did the Sunday New York Times puzzle, the fir- uh, September 1st, by Finn um, Vigland. We follow him on Twitter. He's fun. Um, I liked the theme, but it took me ages to figure out the theme. Okay, so the theme was, that's a tall order. Mm-hmm. Four orders to a dog are tall. Um, for example, the – sh- I can't even show you the, the grid. But so it would be like four – squares over four squares but it each of those squares would be one square wow okay like you'd read it vertically you mean not vertically but okay sorry they are composed of letters that are two boxes tall oh i see sorry okay Um, i get it it took me ages to figure it out because in the app i was solving in the app and it had a grid of like eight squares instead of four tall squares so but if you were solving it like on the paper, it had done the grid correctly, but the app oh, couldn't like translate the grid. So it took me ages to figure out the theme. And then um, when I did, I had to actually click the info button on my app, which I never do. Mm-hmm, and so then I sure. clicked the info and I was like, oh, that's the theme. So, yeah. All I, from that puzzle, I did want to ask you, there's a Spanish phrase. So I just want to see if you know this. Uh-oh, on the spot. <laughs> Sorry. Um, 73 across was Spanish phrase meaning enough is enough. Uh, starts with a B. I don't know. Basta ya. Are you familiar with that? I don't know. It was just fun to see that, no. and I, you weren't there to do it with me, so it made me think. Of I you. don't know that one. That's what it looks like. Basta. Yeah, I know. Basta in Italian is like enough or like stop. Yeah, yeah is like also enough. Yeah. Um, like yeah, it also means stop. Uh, another one I thought you would have liked from uh, that puzzle was 111 across establishment such as Crumbs and Whiskers or Kit Tea, both real. Uh, like Cat Cafe? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, and then I have, do you want to say some? Because I have more. I have some hits. Hit me. One is from the Monday, September 2nd, New- the New Yorker crossword by Anna Schechtman. Mm-hmm. And I just want to point out, because we were talking about this the other day, uh, 38 across, A as an LGBTQIA+. Yes! Which is asexual, by the way. But yeah, I just thought that was 
Asexual uh, and intersex they include, which is nice. When I saw this, I was like, well, yeah, asexual is the answer, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, when I saw it in, like, when you sent me all the puzzles, I was like, oh, I was like, what, what is this in? And I'm like, of course, it's the New Yorker, not the New York Times. Yes, of course. But I did like the six down in the, um, I don't know which that, class where this is. I think that's the... By Mark De- Mark Deal. I think that's Friday, last Friday. Um, it's New York Times and six across setting in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Lab, like, I mean, I get lab had to be the answer. Yeah. Like, very small part of the movie takes place in a lab. It's really a mansion, I would say, the setting. But anyway, I'd like to see the shout-out in the New York Times. It made me happy. Yes. I When I was solving that, someone else was like, mansion. And I was like, no, I think it's lab because there's only three letters. It felt like the clue was written after the... Yeah, I definitely think the ants. I mean... The fill was... Yeah. It, yeah. But I'll take it still. Yeah, for sure. You could have done a different Rocky Horror... He could have said, like, Rocky's birthplace or something. Cool. And then it's from Rocky Horror, not the other Rocky. Oh, so it wouldn't be, like, Philly. Could you believe? Yeah. So you can use that next time, Will Short, since if you have ever seen Rocky Horror Picture Show, you uncultured swine. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, she's on fire this morning, back from vacay, ready to start a fight. Uh, I'm kidding. He's probably seen it because he knows a lot about stuff. I don't know. Let me know, Will, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, Okay. So... I wish you had done the Wednesday crosser with me because I really think you would have liked it, uh, the theme anyway. Um, it was by Patrick Belinder, Belindauer, who is the person who did um, the Von Trapp oh, clue, yeah, that was which fun. was exciting, which just in case you guys haven't seen on our Instagram, one of our <laughs> preferred uh, clues from this past week was um, related to the sound of music from the Wednesday New York Times crossword because we also have a... Sound of Music podcast. Do re mi. Look it up. Yeah. The first, the audio in the first couple two episodes a little dodgy. Yeah. But then keep listening. Yeah. And you'll learn try. everything you've ever wanted to know about sound music. It's true. And things you didn't want to know. Things you didn't think you needed to know. But now you do. I got really excited because it said, like, Julie Andrew Edwards liked our post on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I look over and she has, like, 10,000 followers. I'm like, who is this? But it's a fan page that happens to have 10,000 followers. Yet we can't even get that many listens on our podcast, even though we constantly text Sound of Music Twitter (laughs) to feature Um, us. Hello? Yeah. Anyway, so the theme from the Wednesday crossword was ice cream cones. Um, So three different answers show three different types of orders that you can get of an ice cream cone, a single, double, or a triple scoop, um, combined with across answers, which are flavors of ice cream. And so 14 down was yum. That won't last long. Um, thir- 31 down was, I bet these flavors taste great together. 56 down are, wow, look at the size of this thing. And the answers themselves didn't make sense. I put OV in for 14 down well, because mm-hmm. I filled across. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? And then I, for 31 down, it was OOV. And then 56 down was oh, OOV. It's a little ice cream scoop because the V is the cone and the O is the ice cream. Yes, exactly. Like it, was, it was really fun. And I, we kind of like those kitschy ones. So yeah. um, it was, we're easily entertained. We are. So I had to put the, I had to bring in the, the grid to show Grace because I think she would have liked that. That's cute. I do uh, like that. Also, 10 down, I just want to say, um, I was shamed or age shamed or I don't even know um, detective show whose premiere episode was directed by Steven Spielberg the answer was Columbo and I didn't put the answer in and the guy I was solving it with he was like I was so surprised that you didn't know this answer I filled it in right away and I'm like you're also like 
15 <laughs> years older than me at least. <laughs> like, hello? Anyway. He's not 15 years. Who was? Well, you can tell me later. Yeah. But I, I don't, I mean, Columbo sounds familiar, but I wouldn't know. I looked it up, Steven and as soon Spielberg. as I saw the picture of the, I was like, oh, I know what that is. But I'm like, it's, I wouldn't know that Steven Spielberg directed that. I don't know anything about Columbo other than it's a show that I know of in history. Yeah. Get off our backs. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay. Give us a Rugrats clue, and we got it, baby. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what I got this week. Cool. Cool. Shall we dive into our... We shall dive into it. Topics. I'm going to flip it. Flip it. Oh, my gosh. And heads, that's you. Oh, my. I can't believe it. It's been three weeks in a row for me. I just I just don't know what to do with myself. Has it really, I can't even remember what, who went first. <laughs> She's just coming I don't know down if, from well, such I don't a great know if I like to, <laughs> in general, I don't know if I like to go first or last. It doesn't really matter to me. No, I like switching it up. Yeah. Like one week going first, one week going second. I also like that we don't know each other's topics ahead of time. I know we were skeptical at top of this, but yeah. so well, far it's treated us well. Anyway, so I saw a cheese clue in there, so I'm like, I wonder if Chelsea's going to do this. I almost did. <laughs> okay, so picking my topics this week, I picked out four that I were potentials. Three of the four were food-related, so just so you know. I did end up going with the food-related one, but it wasn't the cheese one. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, from Friday, September 6th, New York Times, Mark Deal, 59 across, spam comes in them, and the answer is tins. Um, and so my topic this week is spam. I would think it could be cans, too. Yeah. Anyway. Yes, but they're called tins. They're called tins. I don't know why. They just are. Um, have you ever had spam? I don't... I feel like I must have at some point. But yeah. definitely was is not like a regular part of my... Agreed, yeah. ...diet. Yeah. <laughs> um, agreed. I think I've had spam that I can remember once in my life. Um, what is spam? It's cooked canned pork made by Hormel Foods Corporation. That's important to know because spam... Is sometimes used to denote all canned meats, but spam is made by Hormel Foods. What's that called? What? Like Kleenex and Band-Aid when like the brand name. I forget what that's called. A it's mis- not. No, not a misnomer. No. Well, we'll be let, back us with that next week. let us know. Let us know. So Hormel is based in Minnesota, USA, and it was founded in 1891 by George A. Hormel. Sorry if we're really loud here today, but we've got people running around in the hallways. Creaking the- doors like we're in a haunted house. <laughs> I'm sure the mic's not picking it up. Yeah, right? Okay. You and me are like, shut up! Yeah. And the people are like, what? It's just distracting. Yeah. Um, so Hormel was founded in 1891 by George A. Hormel, and it was originally called George A. Hormel and Company, and it changed its name to Hormel Foods in 1993. This George Hormel folk guy uh, worked in a Chicago slaughterhouse, mm. which is what Chicago is often known for, um, before becoming a traveling wool and hide buyer. What? In the 90s? 1890. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's the 1990s. That makes more sense then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> eventually, he landed in Austin, Minnesota, borrowed $500, and opened his own meat business. Cool. Ingredients of Spam vary according to, like, what kind you're buying and where you're buying it, because they're all different types from all around the world. But if you're buying Spam Classic, ingredients include pork, ham, water, potato starch, which is um, a binder, sugar, and sodium night right which is a preservative not nitrate nitrite um, a can of spam is a brick shaped is brick shaped and holds seven ounces or 12 ounces of meat depending on the size that you get oh so it's not a can really it's more like a tuna thing yeah it's it's like um it's rectangular. Brick sh- yeah it's more like sardines you okay. know but like tall yeah um yes 
So a two-ounce serving of Spam, and just so you know, seven ounces is in the can, the smallest version of the can. Um, two ounces contains 170 calories, seven grams of protein, 140 calories of fat, and 0.75 grams of sodium. Not bad. Not bad. For good helping of protein. <laughs> Spam's affordable, requires no refrigeration, and has an indefinite shelf life because it is heat sealed within the tin. Ooh, yeah. I like my meat <laughs> with an indefinable shelf life. Yeah. Um, it's an important food source in many places where fresh meat is difficult to obtain or expensive, such as like Hawaii or Guam. Yeah, I've heard that it's very popular in Hawaii. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Um, so it was introduced in America in 1937 by Jay Hormel, who was the son of the founder. Um, prior to releasing Spam, Hormel had already introduced canned ham in 1926, but by 1930, many of Hormel's competitors had introduced various imitations of canned ham. And so Hormel eventually added a ton of spices to their version to make it more distinguishable. Um, the imitation brands in- used meats from the lip, snout, ears <laughs> of pigs, but Hormel refused to use this and instead used the shoulder of the pig um, which at the time was rarely used because it was so time-consuming to remove from the carcass. Mm. Um, Hormel's product was more expensive and a higher quality compared to the competitors, but once you opened the cans, you couldn't tell the difference between any of them. Um, and in order to separate the products, Hormel uh, decided to reduce the size and to change the label. First attempt at making a 12-ounce 12 12 ounce can of ham turned out to be 8 ounces of meat and 4 ounces of juice. <clears throat> Pig's, Yum. Pig lip jupes. <laughs> um, we'll get to how it's made in like a minute. But in order to get rid of the juice, basically the mixture had to be mixed in a vacuum sealed container. Yeah. Um, which reduced how much juice was produced. <laughs> reduce <laughs> like the it? juice. <laughs> reduce, reuse. Then you can buy the juice separately. <gasps> oh, yeah. And you can drink it like pickle juice. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unsubscribe. No to neither. <laughs> no offense. So where did Spam get its name from? Uh, it, gave, it got its name from a competition um, to name it, which was the prize was $100, and you got to name it. And it was named by this guy um, who was the son of an executive of, um, or the, the brother of an executive of one of the Spam people. Um, and he oh, won. Nepotism. Right. Um, named it Spam. And it's speculated that this is a portmanteau for spiced ham. Oh. But Hormel maintains that the true meaning of the name is known by only a small circle of former Hormel Ew. execs. Who cares? Just I tell know. us what it means. I know. But it, people are freaking crazy. There's museums and festivals dedicated to ham. Spam, I should say. Yeah. So people kind of take it seriously. And so I guess Hormel's like riding that bandwagon for as long as they possibly can. I'm surprised. Usually when, when people try and do like a – you guys decide what the name is. People – I guess the internet didn't exist then. But yeah, remember, so. they did that in like England to name a boat. Oh, yeah. And the one that won was like Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually got named that. Well, they didn't name the big boat that. They are like, no, we're not going to do that. But the it has like – the boat has like a little – A side boat. Yeah, yeah. That they named Bodie McBoatface. Cute. <laughs> I love the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Spam apparently was not originally very popular when it was released, but by 1941, four years after its release, Spam had sold 40 million cans. Um, And during World War II, it was difficult to deliver fresh meat to the front, so Spam became an integral part of the U.S. soldier's diet. Mm. Um, And the soldiers called it things like, ham that didn't pass its physical. (laughs) The soldiers. (laughs) (laughs) Meatloaf without basic training. Knee slapper. (laughs) 
Special army meat. Mmm, mm, yum. Um, and over 150 million pounds of spam were purchased by the military by the end of the war. So, yeah. And spam actually helped end the war. It did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, as part of the aftermath of World War II and various occupations, spam was introduced into Guam, Hawaii, Okinawa, and the Philippines and other Pacific Island nations. Mm-hmm. Spam was also popular in the UK during World War II due to the Food Rationing and Lend-Lease Act. The Lend-Lease Act was um, like a treaty, I guess you could call it, between the US, UK, France, China, and other allied nations where the US provided food, oil, and material to these nations during the war. Um, And British previous uh, prior prime minister... um, Margaret Thatcher called um, spam a wartime delicacy. Mm. Um, and Khrushchev from the Soviet Union declared, without spam, we wouldn't have been able to feed our army. So spam was really important. Thank you, spam. Thanks, spam. Um, by 1962, the 12-ounce can was joined by a 7-ounce can for single people and small families. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just, when I was reading that, I was like, that's just fucking depressing. Wait, for it could either be for one person or for a small family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seven ounces doesn't seem like enough to feed a family. No, it doesn't. Well. I, I don't know, like, how you eat Spam, though. Like, you eat it the same way you would eat meatloaf? You could. You can also fry it. Mix it with stuff. Boil it, mash it, stick it in a stew. spam tato. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only a very niche number of people will probably understand that. Yeah. Just um, don't worry about it. It was a reference to something. Yeah. Um, other innovations of Spam include Spam with cheese chunks and smoke-flavored Spam in 1972 and Spam light in 1992. You got to get that light. Got to get that Spam. Major redesign of the label occurred in 97, and both the old and new versions of Spam entered the Smithsonian. Wow. Can you believe? Um, so how's it made? I'm sure you're dying here. I, know. Yes, I do want to know. I love this part. 90% of spam comes from pork shoulder. 10% comes from butt and thigh, which is ham. Um, the sodium nitrite um, I mentioned earlier is added as a preservative to prevent botulism, and also it gives it that bright pink color. And botulism is that serious disease that um, will cause paralysis if you eat it. Oh, well, thank yeah. God it's in there. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go into the butchering process, but Hormel no longer butchers their own pigs and instead buys from dealers. Um, So once the meat has all been acquired, it is put into a big trowel and grinded with a drill bit until it weighs about 8,000 pounds. Oh, my God. That's a lot of meat. That's a lot of meat. That's a lot of pork (laughs) uh, shoulders and butts. I like pork butts. Um, This is the the best part. So then they take the meat and they pass it under a metal detector. (laughs) Looking for any stray knives or any mixing components that might have fallen into the meat. That's nice of them. Yeah, so thanks for checking, Hormel. I appreciate that. Um, The meat is then separated into various vacuum mixers, chilled, and then all the other ingredients are added. Um, And this is that step in the process where they're trying to reduce as much juice as possible. Reduce the juice. If you learn anything from this episode, remember (laughs) to reduce the juice. Love it. Um, While the spam is being mixed, machines are pushing... um, empty upside-down cans off storage pallets um, and underneath, like, a filler. And then the mixture of the meat is pushed through, like, a bunch of cones and pipes and into the fillers. Um, and then the raw spam is deposited inside the cans, like... I can imagine. Thank you. Um, the can is then sealed. The raw meat is sealed into the can, and then it's sent to a massive hydrostatic cooker, which is basically spam being cooked inside of, like, a, a shit ton of boiling water. Um, then they're labeled, boxed, and shipped. Oh, so they get cooked in the can. They get cooked in the can. 
Interesting. Reduce the juice, cook in the can. Love mm, it. Mm, mm. <laughs> Finger looking good. Um, so Spam is very popular in Hawaii, as I mentioned earlier, and as Grace seemed to know. Um, in fact, the first place I ever had Spam was in a Hawaiian restaurant in a close to where you live. Oh, there's a Hawaiian restaurant in Lakeview? I mean, <laughs> I don't live there. No. <laughs> oh, okay. she's so grumpy yeah. at herself. <laughs> she's moving. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving out of Chicago, so yeah, can't stop me. She is moving to Alaska. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in Hawaii, it's, it's either called Hawaiian steak or Portuguese steak. steak. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, spam musubi is a popular dish there, which is cooked spam placed atop rice and wrapped with nori, which is, you know, seaweed, seaweed. Um, which is like a version of onigiri, which is that stuffed Japanese rice. Yeah, it's um, like a Hawaiian sushi. Yeah, exactly. Varieties of spam that are found only in Hawaii are honey spam, Ooh. spam with bacon, hot and spicy spam. Burger King and McDonald's both serve spam, <gasps> as well as high-end restaurants. Isn't really? that cool? Yeah. We should go to Hawaii and get some spam at McDonald's. Yeah, and then just come back. Yeah. Like, well, that's all there is to see there. Yeah. I'm sure they have McDonald's in the airport, so we could just fly to, in. Oh, we don't fly. have to leave. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Not that we don't want to see Hawaii. We would love to see Hawaii, but I just kind of want the spam right now. Um, there is an annual spam-themed festival in Oahu called the Wakiki Space Jam, <laughs> and 20,000 people were in attendance in 2017. It's Space Jam, not Spam Jam? Oh, shiza. <laughs> Wakiki Spam Jam, <laughs> Space Jam. I'm obviously. I was like, okay. I was like, that's kind of a weird name for it, but I guess it does. Missed rhyme opportunity. With spam. Yeah, no. Yeah. Spam Jam. Excuse me. Um, so why is Spam so popular in some of these places? Well, it's a first of all, it's a wartime holdover. So island territories such as Guam and Micronesia, um, which is like the island nations in Oceania, um, they like view Spam as a kind of lifesaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, like from after the war, um, because of its limited limitless shelf life, for instance, um, during extreme weather, that's extremely important. Um, so there's this chef from Hawaii, Mark Noguchi, who founded the Pili Group, which is a cultural movement based on healthy, sustainable food. Um, and I'm going to read a quote from him about Spam. We grew up on it. I remember when I was cooking in New York, other chefs would joke with me like, ha, you guys eat spam. But our parents had gone through the Second World War. The big joke among local people is that you visit your grandparents and look downstairs. There's six cases of toilet paper, four cases of paper towels, and three cases of spam. Um, and in Hawaii, spam is the food that cements the bond between many cultures like Japanese, Filipino, and Hawaiian native, um, and also through to the mainland United States. Um, I have another quote that I want to read to you. Um, Chamorro on Guam loves Spam so much. That's an article by Joyce I. Martrot from Stars and Stripes Guam. Um, Chamorro is a member of the indigenous people of the Mariana Islands, including Guam. Um, so I'm going to read a quote from her island about uh, her article about Spam. Um, Although some people make fun of Spam, if we look at the world, we'll find that each culture has adapted to different ways of surviving hunger. Imagine being held in a concentration camp with very meager food or water to consume. Mothers and fathers would have to find ways to feed their children. Imagine the hunger. Imagine those who were not able to survive, and after months and months of unbearable misery, misery, everyone was liberated, and the process to bring normalcy to the lives of so many people began. The people of Guam experienced this firsthand. There were no homes to go back to, many showed signs of malnutrition, and there were refugee camps built. Food rations, including spam, corned beef, and corned beef hash, were passed out by the liberators. 
They became manna, or life, for all of the refugee camps. These staples became part of the Chamorro's eating pleasures. Um, so that's important. Yeah. Um, I also watched a really beautiful documentary from Al Jazeera uh, focusing on the indigenous Chamorro people. Um, and there's a couple that this focus, this documentary was on, with aims of liberating Guam and decolonizing its diet. Um, Guam is a modern-day colony, and if you don't know about why that's so absurd, you can just Google it. Um, and while you're there, look up the colonization of Hawaii and Puerto Rico. Um, but so this documentary talks about colonialism and environmental injustices brought upon the islands. Um, on Guam, diabetes is twice as high as the rest of the United States. And in 2014, half the deaths on the island were due to heart disease and cancer, cancer related to, they believe, the poor diet. Oh. Yeah. Which includes the... Canned food, canned and processed yeah. foods, um, and so like I can't even go into the colonial history of Guam because I don't have enough time. <laughs> Another topic. Yeah, um, but it's brutal. Guam was occupied by the Spanish, the Americans, Japanese, and then the Americans again. And by the end of World War II, the U.S. had stolen two thirds of the land from Guam and her people. Basically, they took away their way of life. There were no grocery stores on Guam before the colonization. People grew up and ate their food from their land and their farm. And by the end of World War II, everything changed. Um, the people were starving. And how do you feed an entire nation of people instantly? Canned food. Spam. Yeah. Um, spam at, in these places also has like an emotional response as well because it reminds them of their liberation from the Japanese. Mm -hmm. But it also means that they lost their land and ranches and suddenly had a wholly different existence and became dependent on this diet of processed food. Anyway, we will tweet those documentaries. They're very short. They're like seven minutes each. Um, would recommend it. But I thought that was super interesting because while I was reading about spam, they kind of talk about how a lot of people look down on it as like a poor people's food. Yeah. Um, or people make fun of like Hawaii for, oh, haha, you guys eat spam. And it's like, well, it's our fault. It's our yeah. fault. And first of all, like, and also I hate like elitist yeah, food elitism. shaming. Food shaming is horrible. Elitism in, in like the food world is also horrible. Um, and so yeah, there's like some context there for you guys to start looking at your privilege and things, you know. Ha ha. Um, fun facts though to end on before I pass off to Grace. <laughs> Austin, Minnesota, um, which is where Hormel Foods was founded, is known as Spam Town, USA. You want to go there on our next vacation? I, there's an Austin in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <clears throat> and there's a restaurant there called Johnny's Spamarama, which we're hitting up. Minnesota's not too far from us, right? I do like all the spam name names for stuff. It like really <laughs> lends itself to. Yeah, I agree. Um, spiced ham, man. Who would have thought? Um, this one I couldn't find sources for, but I'm going to say it anyway, and you can tell me. <laughs> I just had to say it. In 1963, spam was introduced to various private and public schools in South Florida as cheap food and even for art supplies. Um, and due to the success of this introduction, Hormel introduced. School colored themed spammed, the first being blue and green variety, which is still traditionally used in some private schools in South Florida. I don't know. I didn't go to private school. But is wait, what years was that? 63 it started. Oh, I don't remember seeing like colored spam spam in the cafeteria. I don't know. Wild. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me though. Yeah. Classic South Florida. Classic. <laughs> Well, there was that phase where people were making, like, colored, colored versions. Like, remember? the ketchup, ketchup and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Or even sunscreen. There was, like, purple sunscreen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the 90s. I love it. Um, Americans eat approximately 3.8 cans per second. It's friggin' crazy. Two each Amer American eats that. Each American. No, it just I think, like, if they were to calculate. Yeah, no, I um, get it. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, two American plants produce 44,000 cans of spam every hour. Oh, my gosh. It's nuts. That's a lot of spam. It's a lot of spam every day. Hawaii consumes the most spam in the world, about 4 million cans yearly. Um, it is po- particularly popular in sushi. Um, the billionth can of spam was sold in 1959. The seventh billion can was sold in 2007. And the eighth billion can was sold in 2012. Wow. That's a lot of cans of spam. Yeah. Um, and by the 90s, um, spam's, uh, I don't want to use this word, but I'm going to use it, ubiquity, led to its name being adopted for unsolicited electronic messages. I was wondering. Yes. Okay. Th- so they are related? Yes. So um, people like talk down about spam, and so that's how it—that's such a stretch. That's I, I know. I was really wondering dumb. if that was the same if they were related. I didn't look too much into it, so someone out there could potentially like correct me. But yeah. that's what I read. Um, so there's also a line in a song in the Monty Python and the Holy Grail about spam. Um, and so because of that line in the song, the title of the musical version of the film became Spam a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a book of haikus about spam entitled Spam Coo, Tranquil Reflections of Lunch and Loaf, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm going on Amazon and buying now. Um, there's also a mock church of spam. Cool. And a spam cam, which is a webcam trained on a can of decaying spam. Mm. Oh, that's a thing. We should look I it up. How long has it been on there? I don't know. I don't have that answer. I'm yeah. sorry. Some spam varieties, just to close us out here. Spam Classic, which is original. Spam Hot and Spicy with Tabasco. Spam Ooh. Light, 33% fewer calories, 25% less sodium, and 50% less fat. Uh, it's made from pork, ham, and mechanically separated chicken. Cool. There's Spam Oven Roasted Turkey. Spam Spread, if you're a spreader, not a slicer. Oh, I hate it. That's the tagline for it. <laughs> um, spam teriyaki. Spam boricua, which is like a Puerto Rican flavor. Yeah. Um, spam macadamia nuts. Ooh, white chocolate macadamia. <laughs> mm. And here's the kicker, folks. Released this year, September 2019. Can you guess what flavor? Uh, like spam Doritos? What? It's almost fall. Oh, pumpkin spice spam? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I don't like pumpkin spice. I don't like pumpkin spice either. I'm not going to shame anybody for liking it. It just doesn't sound like something I want on my ham necessarily. Well, to be, I've only okay. The only pumpkin spice thing I've had is like the pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks. Right. I, I don't like coffee that much either. But I right. I don't like pumpkin. I, I don't mind pie. pumpkin flavored. I don't like pumpkin. I don't really like pie, unless it's chocolate pie. What about peanut butter pie? No. What? I'm weird about textures. I don't know. Pie is too like goopy. I do like peanut butter pie isn't goopy. I only... You're uh, goopy. <laughs> what was it, peanut butter and chocolate? Yeah, well, it's peanut butter, and it has a chocolate layer on top. Okay, I could maybe get on, on board with that. <sighs> and I then like, it has, like, like a uh, Oreo crust. Okay, I like the Oreo crust. I just don't... I don't like, like, apple pie, I don't, pie. I don't like fruit in my desserts. You know... I don't know if you know this, but now you know. Yeah, I don't really like fruit in general, because I'm crazy. She's, she's nuts, folks. I, I just got cotton candy grapes, though. Have you ever had those? What? Cotton candy grapes. I don't know what that is. They're grapes that look, literally taste like cotton candy, but they're only available certain types. I don't know. They're, that's how they're bred. Literally. I'll bring some in tomorrow. Okay. They're, they're really good. Cool. Cool. Anyways. Well, that's spam, folks. <laughs> I feel like I'd like this honey spam the best because I do like honey. I don't, I'm not a huge pork person, but I do like honey ham. I, I, I like ham, too. I like bacon is like my obsession. Um, and I liked it when I tried it at that Hawaiian restaurant. 
it's um it reminds me a lot of like um pork roll or scrapple which is like a a meat type loaf thing that from philly mm-hmm. so you need to tell me this hawaiian restaurant is because i i let you know i don't okay. think it's as close to you as some places are okay <laughs> <laughs> it's right next door to your apartment and the name is <laughs> and while you're at it here's your social security number <laughs> you really want to get to know me um, go ahead okay so my turn um, I'm doing the New York Times from Tuesday, September 3rd by Evan Kalish. And the clue was one down universal recipients category. And the answer was type AB. Ah. So I'm doing blood types, baby. Blood. I really don't like blood. So if you're queasy, I'm not talking about It's very No, silent. no, I'm sure. I For me, it's not talking about it. It's the, the seeing it. I developed Oh, so that. you don't want me to cut my arm open in front of you oh, to no, show you? Oh, no, okay. Yeah. I'll cool. try not to. Okay, so what even is blood? What? Blood is so random. We need blood to live? What the fuck? Um, Okay, so this is very elementary. I watched like a children's like explanation (laughs) just to get just to get this part in. I'm Mm -hmm. sure anyone who hasn't had any like medical training will be like rolling their eyes. But okay, so there's plasma. Cool. Which runs through our veins. And in plasma suspended in it, there are platelets, which help clot. If, you know, you get a cut, they all run to the cut and help your blood clot so you don't bleed out. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, platelets. Love you. But they aren't really important for what we're talking about. So oh. forget about them. <laughs> and then there's white blood cells. That's the stuff with the cancer, right? Um, no. No. Shit. I what you're seeing. <laughs> okay. Sorry. White blood cells uh, fight infections. So okay. those are like your body's little defenders, which will become important later. Right. No, that is cancer related to, Right. Um, I think your white blood cell counts. I don't know anything about. Well, I cancer. think if you have like really high or really low, it could be a sign of Lyme's disease. Oh, I don't know. Now we're just like, sorry, <laughs> yeah, I didn't need to do false information. <laughs> okay, I'm well, going to. This I'm, is about. I'm going to shut up. Okay, and then there's red blood cells, which do everything. They like transport oxygen in your blood and all that other good stuff. Cool. So, what is blood typing? Basically, if you need blood for some reason, um, you have to have you have to get blood from someone else that has the same or a compatible blood type with you. So there's eight different types of blood you could have. Jesus. But it's mainly A blood, B blood, AB, or O. Okay. So what does that even mean? Yeah, what does that even mean? Okay. So... The A type B, those are all antigens, which are proteins that are found on the surface of your red blood cells that elicit immune response. So they're either A or B, okay. only those two types. So basically, if you have A blood cells, then your body has the white blood cells, the antibodies, the defenders are defending against B blood cells. That way, if a B blood cell tries to come into your body your defenders will be like we don't we only do a blood cells and you're b and we like basically, know how to kill you so get you out can't of here sit with us basically yeah basically so um uh yeah so if you have b antigens that get put into someone who has b antibodies the body will start to fight the blood and you could die so that's why it's important to have to get blood from a compatible person Aye. so if you have type a b blood it means you have both a and B proteins on your red blood cell, Go on your on. red blood cells. So that means that you have no anti, you have no defenders. You're like we take everyone, so it's good to be AB because you could then get blood from anybody because mm-hmm. um, you have no 
an, uh, antibodies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about type O blood? Mm-hmm. People have type O blood don't have any A or B proteins on their red blood cells. So their body, the antibodies, are against A and B. So they can only get blood from someone else that also has O. Oh, so that's like the rarest, right? Yes. Well, no, actually, <clears throat> it's the most common. Oh, but it oh. sucks because um, they can they can only receive from O because their antibodies hate everyone. That's what I put in my <laughs> notes. Got it. Um, okay, but they can donate to everyone because they don't have any A or B, so it doesn't really matter who they go right. into because you know they mm-hmm. have nothing for an antibody to get mad about. Right. Um, so, yeah, they can go to everyone, but they can only receive from O. I'm oh. sure that's a metaphor <laughs> for something. Okay. So then what makes a blood type negative or positive? Because you've heard like A positive, A negative. Right. That's called the RH factor. So the term RH was originally an abbreviation of rhesus factor or rhesus factor. Not racist, rhesus, R-H-E-S-U-S factor. It was discovered in 1937, and it was believed to be a similar antigen that was found in the rhesus monkey's red blood cells. They eventually realized that it's not identical to the rhesus monkey, but by then people had already been using the term so much that they just kept it. Right. So then they now they just call it the R-H factor, even though it's nothing to do with the monkey anymore. Sure. Um, but basically that means there's another like protein that's found on the red blood cell. Um, so if you have if you have the rhesus factor, then you're positive. So if you are A blood type and you have the rhesus factor or RH, then you are A positive. Okay. So if you're positive, you can receive positive and negative blood because your body has no antibodies against the RH protein. Since since they exist on your blood, your body's like, okay, this is fine. We'll allow these. But if you don't have the RH factor, that means your body has like a bunch of antibodies for the RH factor. So you can't receive from people who have it. So if you're like uh, AB positive, that's kind of the best one. That means you can receive from like literally anybody. But if you are um, like B negative, you can only receive from other B negatives or AB negatives. Yeah. So basically positive makes you more, makes you able to receive more More. because your body doesn't have antigens. So, okay. um, And there's a condition or uh, yeah, a disease if you're pregnant called hemolytic disease, which is when women who are RH negative have a fetus that's RH positive. Her body can try and kill the fetus. God damn. Yeah. But it's rare because... It, well, not so many people are Rh negative. That's like a more rare blood type too. I'll get into that later. Okay. So where does your blood type come from? It comes from your biological parents. Um, it's called an allele. Is like some gene DNA thing. So you get one from each parent. So if you get an A from your mom and an A from your dad, you'll be A. If you get a B mm-hmm. and a B, you'll be B. If you get an A and a B, that's when you're AB. Um, if you get an A and an O, then you'll be an A. O is always uh What's it uh, called? What's the word? Um, recessive. Recessive. Yeah. So basically, to be O, you have to have two O parents. Damn. Yeah. But O is still the um, most common one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. People think that's the most common. It's just most common one because the most people, even though it's the hardest to, I guess, inherit because it's recessive, most people in the world are, have O blood types. Um, and some people think, I don't think this has been scientifically proven, that the O blood types have been resistant to diseases in the past, namely the Black Plague, and that's why so many people have interesting O blood types. I like things like that. Don't know yeah. if it's true, but... Well, it kind of, 
uh, yeah, people are saying, okay, if you have O blood type, that means your body has antigens for both A and, or antibodies for both A and B. So that means your body has like extra antibodies. So I don't know how any of that works. But anyways, that's a theory that's floating around out there. Um, Okay. So in Japan and Korea, there are beliefs that your blood type affects your personality, like astrology. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, here we go. Okay. So this all started in 1926. Rin Hirano and Tomita Yashima published the article Blood Type Biological Related in the Army Medical Journal. It was seen as a non-statistical and unscientific report motivated by ra- motivated by racism. Okay. Um, in 1930s, Takeshi Furukawa, a professor at the Tokyo Women's Teachers School, published his paper, The Study of Temperament Through Blood Type, in a scholarly journal called Psychological Research. The idea quickly took off with the Japanese public, despite Furukawa, Furukawa's lack of credentials, um, and the government at the time commissioned a study aimed at breeding ideal soldiers. Wow. But the study only used 10 to 20 people for investigation, thereby failing to meet the statistical requirement for generalizing the results to the wider population. Mm-hmm. This is similar to like how the anti-vax thing kind of yeah. started. Um, in 1930s, the Japanese occupied Taiwan, and the Taiwanese people obviously weren't happy about it. They revolted, resulting in the deaths of hundreds of Japanese settlers. So Furu- Furukawa compared the blood types among um, Formosans in Taiwan and the Ainu of Hokkaido in Japan. And the purpose of the study was to penetrate the essence of the racial traits of the Taiwanese who recently revolted and behaved so cruelly. Oh, That's a quote. Oh, my God. So he found that 41.2% of Taiwanese had O blood type, um, and the Ainu, only 23.8% had O blood type. So he assumed that um, if you have O blood type, then you are, uh, like, rebellious and, like, hot-headed. God. Wow. So he suggested that the Japanese should increase the intermarriage with the Taiwanese to reduce the number of Taiwanese with type O blood. Wow. So this whole theory kind of died down, but then in the 1970s, a journalist named Masahiko Nomi published a book about the relationships between blood type and personalities, and it became super popular. Um, And then the discussion of blood types uh, became really popular in women's magazines, like you know, mm-hmm. the Japanese version of Cosmo, as a way of gauging relationship compa- compatibility with a partner or current God. partner. Um, according to 2016 survey of 3,355 Japanese people, 99% knew their blood type. Wow. Do, Do you know, know your... No, I no, don't know mine. I don't know mine. We're probably O, because that's the most common, right. O positive. What, can you just ask your GP? I, Yeah, I'm sure it comes up in your blood tests. Right. I don't know. You could also, like, ask your parents and see if they know and see, like, what what the likelihood like, would be. Yeah. If they're both A, then you'd be A. If one of them is A, B, then right. you have to see. Yeah. Um, okay. So a series of four books that describe people's character by blood type ranked third, fourth, fifth, and ninth on a list of best-selling books in Japan in 2008. Jeez. So it's very popular. Um, in anime, characters' blood types are often mentioned. Wow. Okay. Um, and then apparently uh, in Japanese Facebook, it was something that you could fill out on your Facebook profile Oh, my page. God. Yeah. Um, it's based in racism, folks, but it's kind of interesting how yeah. much it took off. Uh, so what are the blood type personality traits? Yes. Um, I got these from a website called Tofugu, T-O-F-U-G-U.com, um, which was written by a girl who lives in Japan. Cool. And has type B blood, which is important later. Okay, so type A, earnest, neat. Stub- 
Okay, I'm going to do the two positives and two negatives. So A, earnest, neat, stubborn, and anxious. Oh, easygoing, leadership ability, insensitive, insensitive and unpunctual. B, passionate, creative, selfish, and uncooperative. A, B, talented, composed, eccentric, and two-faced. <laughs> Although I wouldn't say eccentric is a bad thing. Right. Anyways. Um, but it's caused a huge so- – so even though the traits have positive and negative, sometimes peop- uh, there are certain traits where people don't, like, look at the positives at all. They just see it as a negative thing, and it's called a huge social problem known as buruhara, which is short for blood harassment. Ooh. Um, so the author says that type B blood is the most looked down upon. People will say things like, oh, you're being so B-ish, a.k.a., oh, of course you're B. You're selfish and uncooperative now that I think about it. B and O are the least common blood types in Japan. A is the most common and is the most revered for being organized. Um, you could still get made fun of for being A. For example, people will say, you're not very A-like, meaning you're not organized enough to be an A. Oh, my God. Um in 2004, the Broadcasting Ethics and Programs Improvement Organization asked TV, in Japan asked TV shows to stop spouting so much info about blood types. So it's you'll see it less common now on like talk shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some companies will ask for your blood type when hiring. However, the government is like cracking oh down on it and like encouraging companies or reminding companies that they can't do that. I don't know if it's like fully illegal yet, but whoa, yeah. Could you imagine if someone asked you your zodiac sign? And we were like, um, what's your sun sign? And you're yeah. like, oh, I'm an Aquarius. And they were like, oh, we don't hire Aquariuses here? <laughs> Fuck, that would suck. I feel like I would ask and, like, keep, you know, keep it in the back of my mind. Yeah. But, uh, I for sure would never hire a Cancer. But What? I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm a Cancer. I'm a Cancer rising. I'm just kidding. Um, oh, yeah, I like Cancers. Okay. So that's the blood type Damn. going on in Japan. Um, but then I want to talk about something else. So... Um, this is from, I got this from glad.org. It's mm-hmm. an article by Jeremy Wang. And it's about um, the discrimination against men who sleep with men when you're donating blood. Oh, yes, please do. So this originated in 1983 during the height of the HIV and AIDS epidemic in the U.S. And the policy was created as an emergency measure to prevent contamination of the U.S. blood supply. Um, the policy impacted uh, MSM, which is men who sleep with men. Uh, women who have sex with MSMs, and transgender people that could be considered MSM. It was a lifetime ban. But in 2015, they changed it to a 12-month ban. Um, However, blood is rigorously tested, donated blood is rigorously tested for a bunch of things, including AIDS. Current tests for HIV are able to detect the presence of the virus with high precision within 11 days after infection. Furthermore, the test is able to detect HIV with such a high precision that only 1 in 3.1 million units of blood infected with HIV will make it past the screen. Based on this science, a 12-month deferral for MSMs does not make any sense. The American Public Health Association confirms this, stating that the 12-month deferral was modeled after policies of other countries rather than empirical scientific studies. And while it is true that AIDS is higher in MSN, MSM, it's a sweeping generalization. There are no exceptions to those in monogamous relationships, those on HIV medications that lower transmission risks, and those that practice safer sex. When non-MSM people who have multiple sexual partners can donate with no problem. Mm-hmm. God, um, right. I didn't. I mean... I knew about this, but I didn't think about this when you brought up your topic. Yeah. yeah. So that still exists and is still a thing. Um, God. Yeah. Also, like, 12-month deferral. I mean, yeah. the likelihood that you would 
I mean, I know there's adults that don't have sex very well. I know I don't want to say this. No, no, but I think it's it's just it's it's rough to subject a certain person to say like you can't have you as a man can't have sex with another man for, for a year for a year before you can donate blood or you can't have sex with a man who's had sex with um, yeah, yeah it's just oh um, my so god it's, it's just based in like fear mongering basically yeah. it's not based on actual science um okay there are other requirements for not being able to donate blood um, if you've tested positive for Hep B or Hep C, lived with or had sexual contact in the past 12 months with anyone who has Hep B or symptomatic Hep C. So you can't live with someone who has Hep C and donate blood. Weird. Um, if you had a tattoo in the past 12 months or received a blood transfusion in the past 12 months, except with your own blood, which I guess is, I've never heard that. People getting yeah. blood transfusions from their own blood. It's like, it's already, well, I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. You, maybe they take it out earlier and put it back in. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Um, if you've ever had a positive test for the AIDS virus, if you've ever used intravenous illegal drugs, even once, if you've ever had injectable drugs, including anabolic steroids, unless it's prescribed by a physician, if you have engaged in prostitution since 1977, um, if you have lived engaged, in, what does that mean? Engaged in prostitution? Um, probably, if you are a sex worker or have slept with a sex worker, engaged. That's what I would think. But like, why do you think that's like against the rules? Probably same as fear, monger, yeah. because like they test the blood anyway. So right. yeah. Um, just, oh God. If you have lived in or visited the UK for three months or more cumulatively between 1980 and 1996, I looked it up. There was there's a disease. It has a long name, but it's uh, known as the CJD disease. That was like very rampant in right. the UK at that time. Yeah. Um, if you have spent five or more years in Europe, including the UK, cumulatively from 1980 to the present. Christ. If you have traveled in the past year or lived in the past three years in an area where malaria is an epidemic. Okay. Or endemic, sorry. Um, Hi. Yeah. So. I didn't realize there were so many. I guess some of it makes sense. Some of yeah. It, I'm just like, the process of the sex sense, worker thing But it's is also like, like, but you test for it. So why, like malaria, I mean. Right. Unless it lies dormant in you. I don't know. I guess they're trying it, to like hold. I can understand, like, not, like, if if there are things that, like, there's this disease in the UK or malaria, and they're like, oh, yeah, they are going to test it, and they can probably figure it out like that, but now they have to go through that much more testing Yeah. to find... But they a- test all the blood anyway. I know. I don't know. I don't know how these disease work if it's, like, harder to test for. Right. Yeah, we don't know. Um, I didn't look into, into these ones, but just thought it was... Interesting. Yeah. The tattoo one is interesting, too. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. Not that I would ever give blood. Not that I don't want to give blood. I just I have a thing with needles and blood. I cannot do it. Um, okay. So now I'm going to talk about some conspiracies about blood types. She loves her conspiracies. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the RH, the rhesus factor, the yes. negative and positive. Let's. So less than 15% of the world has negative type blood. Okay. So most people have the RH factor protein, but there's yeah. some people that don't. So less than 15% of people in the world. However, in the Basque region, which is between France and Spain, 40% of the population is um, RH negative. Wow, that's freaking random. Yeah. They're also the only people of Western Europe who continue to speak in an indigenous Indo-European language, an isolated tongue not spoken anywhere else in Europe. It also has no relation to other European languages. Mm -hmm. 
Do you know anybody from the Basque country, the Basque region? I don't. I had a friend where I went to school with somebody, and the language is very interesting. And were they blood type negative? <laughs> okay, let me text you real quick. <laughs> um, some people think it was aliens or angels <laughs> that came Sorry. down at some point in history and made human hybrids. Oh, of course. So these people are like superhuman. People speculate that those with negative blood types also have these characteristics. Higher than average IQ, lower body temperature, higher blood pressure, red or reddish hair, extra vertebrae, sensitive vision and particular sensitivity to sunlight, and elevated intuition. It's got to be me. <laughs> well, uh, people <laughs> say this may be why so many ancient rulers were redheaded. Wow. Because okay, wait, wait. Go through them again. Higher than average IQ. I don't know about that, but... Lower body temperature. Yes, I've always had a lower... My body runs at, like, 97.6. Like Higher blood pressure. Uh, it runs in the family. <laughs> Red or reddish hair. Yes. Extra vertebrae. I don't even know. How do you have extra vertebrae? I guess we'll find... I'll ask my general practitioner. <laughs> um, sensitive vision. Yes. And particularly sensitive to... Yes. Sensitivity to sunlight. That's you. I go out in the sun and I start crying. It's not, a, it's not a fact. That's not a joke. Elevated intuition. I mean, I don't know about that. I'm How not do you gonna... measure that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How do you measure that? But everything except from the IQ and the intuition, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, a lot of ancient rulers were redheaded. Um, and so people think this could be like proof of this. Oh However, this is really just a weird elitist thing to make people feel special. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what it just did for yeah. me. Um, Caucasians have the highest number of negative blood types. It's really rare sure. in yeah. other races. Yeah. So people think it's just a way for white people to be like, well, One more thing we're to- alien hybrids, so we have higher IQs because Fuck we're like, blah, me. blah, blah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's not what you were doing. But <laughs> the truth is probably that early farmers in the Basque region mixed with local hunters, and then they became isolated for thousands of years, preserving their language and genetics. So like if a lot of people there were O blood types and they just kept having babies who had O blood types and they were very isolated, then it would make sense that O would right. or, sure. sorry, or negatives would like continue to be yeah. passed on. Um, yeah, so that's it. That's my blood type typing. Okay, hopefully we can come back to you at a different point in time with our blood types. And then we can do our Japanese personality tree. Yes. Um, please write to us with your blood types for fun. We can also just see if you match your personality type. I feel like I can't say too much about the blood types since I talk about astrology so much, but there's only four. I know. So it's kind of like, it's very... Uh, it's very vague. limited, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's also interesting that, I mean, the article she was saying that, like, she had been made fun of for being a type B, but I would just lie about my blood type then. Like, who's going to... I know, who's testing you? Out? Yeah. God. But I did think it was interesting that 99% of the population in 2016 knew their blood type because I don't know mine. I don't know I feel like most people don't. I think I did know at one point, but I... Right. Yeah, I just never asked. I guess next time I go to the doctor, I'll ask and be like, hey, do you know my blood type? Yeah. O positive is the most... um, Common. Common. AB negative would would be the... I feel like my dad doesn't even know what his blood type is. I'll ask. Yeah. You should know in case anything... Well, I guess they can test it pretty quick. I know. Right. That's the thing. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. Cool. Now you know. Now you know. Blood and ham, baby. Mm-mm, bloody ham. Oh. We'll have, a, we'll have a good time coming up with the title for this yes. episode. Um, well, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Chelsea. I'm Grace. Did we introduce ourselves at the top of this episode? No. We did not. We suck. Well, welcome. Thanks for <laughs> listening. We are the Good Evening Girls. Follow us on Twitter at the Good Eve Girls. Uh, and the Good Evening Girls on Instagram. Lots of fun things happening there. And please leave reviews for our podcast. Yeah. We'd really appreciate it. We would. 
really, really appreciate really, it. Really. If you need help leaving a review because you don't know how to do it, just send us a quick DM. Just Google it. <laughs> um, Google it. It's not that hard. Just scroll down on the on your Yeah, you can leave app. it on, a, on iTunes only. Thanks. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. That's, that's it. All. That's it, and that's all, folks. All right. Goodbye. Bye.